0: The Guardian has partnered with audible.co.uk to offer listeners a free audiobook if you sign up for a two-week trial of their service. Audible has 40,000 titles available to download. For all the details, follow the links at guardian.co.uk slash audible.
1: Hello, I'm Helen Pidd and you're listening to The Guardian's Bike Podcast. Later in the programme, we'll be getting on a tandem with Tom Kevill Davies, otherwise known as the Hungry Cyclist, a man who has pedalled around the planet in search of the perfect roadside meal. Plus, if mending a puncture leaves you crying with rage at the roadside, stand by for some tips from the man who has been crowned the world's best bike mechanic. But let's start with another world beater.
2: So, with half a lap left
3: of the Tour de France on the streets in the centre of Paris, the scene is now set
2: for victory number six for Mark Cavendish.
1: British cyclist Mark Cavendish is officially the fastest man on the road, at least on a bicycle. His debut on the sprinting scene in 2007 produced a stunning 11 wins, and on the track he's been both World and Commonwealth Games champion not to mention his 15 stage wins at the Tour de France, and he's still only 25. But what kind of rider is Mark Cavendish when he's not doing 128 kilometres an hour? I caught up with him, or should I say, met up with him, in London earlier this month at the relaunch of Nike Town in Oxford Street. So I want to find out about you as an everyday kind of cyclist. So it's a horrible, horrible day outside. It's windy, it's rainy. If you had an ordinary office job rather than you know being a professional cyclist, would you have been on your bike today?
4: Probably not, actually, if I'm truthfully honest. I don't know. Like I train, obviously, like this in the rain, but if I didn't have to train in the rain, I wouldn't.
1: Um, and do you ever run red lights when you're out on the road?
4: I don't actually, no. I'm really against that and I get angry at people who do.
1: And when people say, oh, but I'm, you know, it means I'm safer, I'm escaping the traffic, you don't buy that?
4: I really don't, because at the end of the day, it's because of somebody who does that, I take the, the brunt of it when the when the drivers are affected by cyclists, you know. If a driver gets angry at a cyclist, they're not going to take it on that person, they'll take it out on every cyclist, and that includes me. So.
1: And uh, what about cycling on the pavement? Do you ever do that?
4: I don't either. Sometimes in a race, but to move up, but uh, no, I don't do that either.
1: What about listening to an iPod while you're training?
4: Yeah, on a stationary trainer I do, but no, I actually don't when I'm out training. But it's, there's two reasons. One, yeah, to be safe. I, I'm okay. I never train in busy busy streets, so. But uh, when I'm out training, no, I never do because it's just nice to be out with my thoughts and that, you know. And, uh,
1: and have you ever had a bike nicked?
4: I have, but it wasn't outside the cafe. It was in my house, and uh, it's quite a funny story. Um, we were living in Manchester, and uh, the, we got got home and seen the house to be burgled, and they'd taken everything. They'd used our rucksacks to put the stuff in, and they'd got away on our bikes. Like so, uh, that was the first time, and we or the only time when we bike robbed. So.
1: And Was it an expensive one, and was it insured?
4: I've, it was a supplied one. You know, it was quite an expensive one, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm lucky that I can get new ones anyway. So
1: and um, what's your top ever speed?
4: 128 kilometers an hour and that was on a descent to the Tour of Switzerland in 2009 and the whole peloton was doing that we around elbow to elbow, 128 kilometers an hour.
1: And did you look down at your speedo and go oh my word or was it only afterwards when you realized?
4: No we were looking down and trying to go faster you know it's just the fact we couldn't pedal any faster you know uh, we didn't go any faster. So.
1: Okay and now some either or kind of questions um, Lance Armstrong or Eddie Mert?
4: They're both incredible names in cycling, great people and great guys. You know, I'm lucky to know both of them and, uh, and they're incredible people. What they've done for the sport is magnificent.
1: Team Sky or HTC Columbia?
4: I ride for HTC Columbia.
1: Track or road? Road. Pannier or a rucksack?
4: I use a rucksack, but if I have to, it's because I don't have panniers. I don't know. I've never used panniers.
1: And last question. Um, um Complete the following sentence. If I wasn't a professional cyclist, I would be a...
4: I'd still be trying to be a professional cyclist <laughs> The
1: fastest lead out man in the business And there's the missile
2: He's locked onto his wheel now This is going to be a formality Win number 6 for Mark Cavendish. There's nobody can match the speed of this amazing kid He has got the victory And no British cyclist has ever, ever been remotely close To winning 6 stages of the Tour de France what an incredible result
1: Mark Cavendish there, a man who could easily break the speed limit on his bike, but would never run a red light. Now, there's no plate of food quite so delicious as the one you settle down to after a long bike ride. Just ask Tom Kevell Davies, who spent two and a half years cycling and scoffing his way around the Americas, documenting his travels in a book called The Hungry Cyclist, peddling the Americas in search of the perfect meal. Just back from a similar quest along the Mekong River, Tom took Lucy Greenwell out on a tandem and gave her a gastronomic tour along one of Boris Johnson's new cycle superhighways in London. Be warned, various oysters died in the making of this feature.
2: It began uh, almost five years ago now with a very innocent cycling holiday through France with a friend. And really on that holiday, I discovered that post-cycle eating is the best eating in the world and um, from there really took it on and have spent the last five years cycling and eating all over the world with my ambition if you like to to kind of eke out the very best kind of local foods that people are eating wherever I go.
0: Right, we're on the corner of Queen Victoria Street and Queen Street, standing outside a restaurant called Sweetings.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of a treat, really. Um, it's quintessentially English. It's really a kind of oyster, oyster bar, fish bar, so you can get your classic kind of prawn cocktails, smoked salmon, oysters, cod's row on toast, Welsh rarebit, sticky toffee puddings. You know, it's been here for over 100 years. Um, and yeah, at the top of the cycle, Super Highway 7 delicious little cyclist treat and something quite unusual
1: So we've got smoked eel here with horseradish um, smoked cod roe we have on hot toast, Mediterranean prawns and um, smoked salmon beautiful. Nice,
0: beautiful Yeah, thank you
2: Do yeah. <laughs> you like a little bit of black pepper? Yeah, I'd
0: that? love a bit of pepper, thank you Right, get going. Well,
2: this is, yeah, I mean, this is what a luxurious way uh, to start the ride. And, you know, so many people who cycle past probably don't even know it exists.
0: That's delicious.
2: Perfect. Total guilty pleasure.
0: (laughs) Is it guilty pleasure?
2: It's just pleasure, not much guilt involved, if I'm honest. (laughs) You know, been cycling all morning and got a long cycle ride right to South London ahead of us, so why not? It's well, a field for the road.
0: Yeah, exactly, carb loading. Right, we've come out of Sweetings, a lot poorer,
2: but a <laughs> lot fuller. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, next ne- stop. Next stop, we're heading for uh, what I think is the best Colombian yeah. uh, restaurant in London uh, called La Boguita, and La it's Bogita. Um, hidden in the bowels of the Elephant and Castle Shopping Centre. The
0: tandem is a smooth ride. It's got a seat like a like an armchair. It's got a good suspension, is not
2: it? It has. And, uh, yeah, your, your role, you're the stoker. That's your technical name for the person on the back of a tandem. And I'm the pilot. <laughs> There we go.
1: We're just going to jump off
2: here before the bus squashes us. (laughs)
0: Let's get in there.
2: So, what do uh, we start with? We'll start with the empanada. And if you traditionally to eat an empanada, you, you bite the top off. Yeah. And that breaks the seal yeah. and then you can seal the meat inside Yeah. this is a chicken empanada and then you get some of the ajo which is the sauce
0: what's ajo actually translate as? Uh,
2: I think it, it translates as garlic right. um, but it has garlic, cilantro, chilli um, and it's yeah it's like a it's a salsa uh, and then by pouring it in it kind of oozes down inside the empanada Yeah. you know you can Especially if you're travelling by yourself, you go and sit in a smart restaurant, you, you sit by yourself, you eat by yourself, it's no fun at all, you know, and if you can sit at a small bar by the roadside, surrounded by people, you've got company and it's full of noise and colour. I think, you're, you know, you're a very different animal um, if you arrive on a bicycle. You know, if, you, if, you, if you've arrived at a small village that's at the top of a hill, you know, they know you've cycled in, they know you've come the hard way, you haven't kind of come out of the door of a bus... With your guidebook in your hand and your digital camera kind of ready to go, you know you put the hard work in, and, and people people respect that and and they treat you differently. And you know, for me, it's the best way to travel. You know, once you've done it once, you can never really travel another way. Everything everything else becomes very claustrophobic and fast, and uh, yeah, it's it's an addictive addictive drug, cycling.
0: And now we're going to get back on the bike and head even further south.
2: Yep, help wash all this all this oily food down. We're going to head to a little. Cafe in Stockwell. Where there's a big uh, Portuguese community, lots of lovely Portuguese grocers, fishmongers, uh, and some nice little cafes where you can get superb coffee and uh, something called natas, which are pastry custard tarts. Eating Colombian food no? and
0: then back out to Elephant, <laughs> back Castle. Out
2: to Elephant Castle, London yeah. buses. It was sounding a bit rattly.
0: I swear it's getting rattlier the heavier we
2: get. Yeah, well. Para conversar, dois cafés. Dois cafés? Dois natas. Obrigado.
0: Are you a regular here? I am. Yeah. I usually come, stop here to drink my coffee and my nata, mm. my pastel de nata. Is that my pasta? little cake? That's <laughs> what we bring. I love that one. <laughs> Tell me the name of your cafe.
2: Princesses of Portugal. Yeah? Where are the princesses? They are my
3: my bambina and your my bambinas? colleagues bambina as well. That's oh. where the name came okay, from. Very
2: nice.
4: How
2: are you feeling back there?
0: Feeling
2: great. I'm feeling a bit weak. Ready for my next... I'm feeling kind (laughs) of... I'm feeling feeling
0: good. I'm getting a little bit
1: less comfy.
2: Any chafing? And this is really the top of Tooting Back station down to Tooting Broadway. There's an absolute wealth of um, Indian grocers, Pakistani grocers, curry houses. Tooting covered market has got some real finds in best. it. Yeah, yeah. It's hopefully.
0: Oh! Sorry! Nearly got us. I've got a pen on that. So the Russian Express is in the covered market. A corner, actually, um, squeezed in between the tattoo parlor and the, a nasty plus, the clothes shop. Um, it's got a couple of tables outside and a whole stack of massive saucepans. So it's a really, it's a really really good find. You can have a go on the slot machine and eat a roti with their special sauces, a four co- combination of four sauces. You like chili? Yeah. You like it hot? Quite. It's good. Not hot? hot. Middling hot.
5: Okay, let me. Let. Me, can you handle hot?
0: Okay, yeah, I can handle hot. Hot, hot, hot. Let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Let's, let's go, go for it. It's let's go. Nice, let's so. go for hot, hot, hot. <laughs> uh. no, nice. It's so good. Mm-hmm.
3: Very good, isn't
0: it? It's such soft roti. Yes. Really doughy. Yes. Tiny bit sweet.
5: You see, our food is is, is basically uh, is a fusion of many nations has joined together, and we have created our own taste. Even you know, we take pride in our spice. As you can see here, see the Mauritian, they are very fanatic about their food.
2: stuffed. <laughs>
0: so am I. We've had four stops. We've gone probably about I don't know seven or eight miles.
2: Yeah, we've eaten thousands of calories. You know, I think we've only just scratched the surface, you know, there's only so many places two people can eat in an afternoon. <laughs> and, uh, but you know if you without do this bursting. without yeah without kind of getting really sick. But um you know if you cycle this route, the Super Cycle Highway 7 Uh, you know if you cycle that twice a day every day for a year you know i mean you could you could eat in so many wonderful different places and you know the exciting bit is just trying them out you never quite know what you're going to find you know walk into tooting market walk into stockwell stop at some of the curry houses in tooting um you know stop in the pie and mash shops uh and just see what they've got you know the the worst that can happen is you'll spend a few quid and not enjoy yourself um but the best thing that can happen is you find a gem that you know that you'll stop at for the rest of your time in london
1: was The Hungry Cyclist there talking to Lucy Greenwell, now several kilos heavier. For more information on Tom's travels and for recipes and details of his tandem tours, visit thehungrycyclist.com. Finally for this month, it's time to get our hands dirty. Pete Spike Taylor is the former head mechanic of Team GB. He's a man who can not only mend a bike, he can mend it while leaning out of a car at 60 miles per hour. Appalled at how long it takes the average rider to fix a puncture, he's been running workshops for riders of all abilities. Our reporter Jeff Bird went to Manchester to throw a spanner in the works at the British Cycling's Pro Tool School.
5: Okay, everybody happy? Everybody got enough room to work? Excellent, right, okay. If you guys, in your pairs, you just want to come back and collect your Allen key sets in the bottom drawer. I've always been involved in professional bike racing in one form or other, pretty much since I left school. Back in 2005, I became the head mechanic for GB up until June of this year, 2010. So, during the glory, glory years of, of Team GB, of the top years of British Cycling, you were their top mechanic. Well, it, I can't say it's a one-man job, because it isn't. I was very lucky to be the, the sort of head guy of some exceptionally talented guys. Right, now number five is five up from the point where it meets the frame just count up count up five sprockets that's it okay that's
3: fine you, you're known to your friends and to colleagues as spike yeah you're also you've also been called the best bike mechanic in the world i don't know if you would go along with that but you know what, no, what are, certainly not what, <laughs> you know it's a bike how, how good at being a bike mechanic can you be how technically complicated is a bike
5: these days mm-hmm. well yeah from a technical point of view Obviously, a road bike is a fairly simple thing, really, but when you're getting into sort of hydraulics, braking systems and and, uh, flow dynamics with forks and pneumatics, there are sort of more technical elements to it. Admittedly, when you actually break it down, I don't actually say to anybody there's anything complicated about working on a bike. That's why I encourage these people to come along on the school courses so they can actually learn. And one of the most refreshing things is that when people do come along, they go, Spike, do you know what? The way you showed us, that's really, really easy. And that's exactly what I want them to say because it, it, I just want them to be understand how simple it really is. Can I just ask what you're doing then? We're going to split the uh, split the chain, find the power link, and then split it with the, the pliers. Oh, no.
0: There it is. You get any yeah, pliers in? Pliers in. are going in. And then push it together. So that's it. You've done
1: it. That's it.
3: The chain separated. separated. Yeah. You've been on the course this morning. Um, yeah. How much are you yeah. learning?
1: A loads a lot a lot, loads a lot. of little tiny tips
4: rather than just
5: being in your own garage winging stuff and then having other people check it afterwards to see if you've done it right
1: and also the other thing with bikes is knowing how to hold things where to stand where to put things makes a huge difference
3: and you're not strangers to bikes are
1: you no no he's no. high up in bike no. organization and i just race bikes all the time and
3: so what's the best tip you've learned today?
1: Getting the tyre off. How <laughs> to do it without tyre levers. Without
3: tyre levers? How do you do that? Just lever it with your hands. Yeah,
1: you manipulate it with your hands. Well, you get your thumb in? You get your thumb in, pull it over and push it over the top. Brilliant. I used to do it with spoons.
3: It. <laughs> it used to drive me up the walls. My mother banned me from doing it with spoons. Did she used to bend, bend all the spoon handles.
5: <laughs> this was actually an idea of a friend of mine. Somebody said to me, people would be really interested to know what you know and uh, at the beginning of, of, uh, of August I went and did one of the uh, Manchester Skyride events and uh, I was sort of riding around there was a chap at the side of the road who was going absolutely bananas at his wife because he couldn't fix the puncture he didn't even know how to take the wheel out so I just stopped literally took the wheel out and I said have you got an inner tube slid the inner tube in put the tyre up at least let the chap have the pleasure of pumping it back up himself and then put the wheel in and he was just like that was amazing that was amazing how did you do it that quick i didn't say oh was or anything i just said a lot of work on bikes a lot and i said just out of interest if somebody could show you how to do that he said oh i pay a fortune and i thought all oh, right okay no, good now if we go just to this bike that's a bit older so if i just show you the difference and this has had quite a bit of wear oh look at that look at the difference in the way you can pull it off if it's like that it's not completely knackered and i'll explain why it's not completely knackered but it's on its way out now if it's knackered it's been an excellent morning we've learned all the anatomy of a bike to start with and then we went on to puncture repairs and um, uh, dismantling the forks and headset I'm not the most practical guy in the world so it's uh, not easy for me to spot the mistake so the tips we're learning today is uh, hopefully going to give us uh, both my son and I chances to do it ourselves and um, save money are you enjoying
3: yourself?
1: Um, yeah it's good
3: You're into um, bikes?
1: Um, yeah, I do a lot of cycling, like cycling events and stuff like that.
3: Tell me what you've been up to this morning. What have you found out? What have you learned?
1: If like you've got a puncture, how you can take the inner tube out and put it back in in what um, in about one minute?
3: In a minute? Can you do that?
1: Um, yeah, I did it in one minute nine seconds.
3: And how did that compare with the rest of them? His dad was three minutes. Okay. me. So he beat me by two minutes. Hey, no, that's not bad. <laughs> uh, that's not bad.
5: The next bit we are going to be getting a bit oily, so if you do want to put some gloves on to protect yourself that's fine. In- Alternatively, I'm quite happy for you to go out and wash your hands. What makes a really, really good mechanic is their attention to detail and their ability to do it under pressure. I have seen mechanics change a chain on a bike, leaning out of a car window Sometimes some speeds up to 60 miles an hour. Personally, I've, changed, I've been sat on the car window edge, changing a chain on a bike on the roof while we were following the race. At, at the time, you don't even think about it because you're just doing your job, and then afterwards you just think, hang on a minute, what sane person would hang out of a moving car to put a chain on, but you just do it because it, that's what you, you do to, to give your guys the best chance in the race? We'll just up, as it comes down through the derailleur, you'll see mm. that's what happens when you have a stiff link. Mm. Yeah, you see that. So what you end up with is a, is a situation where the actual pin or the, the plate won't open.
3: What would so be the one thing, thing pin to pin all those people, perhaps listening to this, that you would be able to tell them that might make their life a little bit sweeter?
5: The biggest thing that makes the biggest difference to the majority of people is fixing a puncture. The national average, we reckon, is about 25 minutes. To be honest, that's pretty poor. Most of the is people, it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Most of the people here uh, over the last two days, we've got everybody down under five minutes so I mean and everybody everybody we've spoken to has said do you know what I didn't know how to do that just the little tips and the little techniques to actually do it it makes such a difference because I can remember as, as you know myself when I'm riding a bike you're you almost willing yourself not to have a puncture you're like I don't want to puncture I don't want to puncture and then if you get one it's like oh you know but at least you know you've got the confidence to deal with it and the tools to deal with it so is it
3: still buckets of water and squeezing no. out the air no no no, the we,
5: we, no no there's no buckets of water we, we, uh, we let people know about what's a really good sort of thing to carry to carry with you, making sure you've got the right amount of spare equipment you've got spare inner tubes, you've got the ability to pump your own tyres up and everything else so it's just about educating people and preparing people ready to, uh, to go out cycling on their own.
3: And how, how much for a day like this?
5: Uh, for a full day uh, it's about £120-125 some people might say that's fairly expensive but bike riders, or cyclists, they invest a lot of money and time into their bikes and they want to look after them and it just gives them the uh, ability to do it
1: man and machine in perfect harmony there. Although this autumn season of workshops is now finished British Cycling are planning more sessions with Spike. So for more information visit BritishCycling.org.uk That's it for this month's bike podcast. Our hungry and intrepid reporters were Lucy Greenwell and Jeff Bird. I'm Helen Pidd and the show was produced by Pascal Wise Oh, and sorry we are a little late going online this month. We got a puncture on the way in.
0: Don't forget to start your free 14-day trial of audible.co.uk and to download your free audiobook, head to guardian.co.uk slash audible.